At least you can see me, right? And I want you to know I can see you if you go to sleep. Uh, let's ask the Lord to bless our time together as we open His Word this morning. Lord, it's Your Word that we read here this morning. It's You, Lord, that we've come to meet in the Word that You've given us. Oh, Lord, our hearts and our minds, our whole being, Lord, we lay out before you because they all belong to you. We belong to you, Lord. Mold us, make us into what you would have us to be, Lord, according to your word, according to your purpose, <laughs> and with all your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I, I guess you know we've been, I hope I don't fall off here. Yeah, we may change this back next week. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. You know that already. What we've been saying in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus has shown us who we are as Christians. And just lately, since we got into chapter 7, he's shown us how to judge, how we are to judge. Now, we're not to be judges like God, but how we are to judge, how we are to, to see the world and know how to discern what is right and how to live and how to follow him because that's what he's asked us to do he says come follow me he says last week i don't know if you heard this i didn't really say this exactly out loud but he said you know what i've shown you how you are as christians and i've shown you and told you that you are going to have a whole lot of opposition from the world the world's always going to be hawking you and trying to get you and bring you into it and he said but i'm always with you I'm your God. I'm your Savior. And he says, it's decision time. I didn't give you all these words for you to comment on them. They're here for you to act on. And this is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He says, you know, sinners from the beginning and as believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, our Savior is leading us. He says, follow me into eternal life. And he says, now we've come here. It's decision time. We're coming to the gate. And it's the gate. You're going to have to choose a narrow way or you can go with the world in the wide way. Everybody else is doing that one. But he said, it's decision time. It's time to do something. And here's the thing. Jesus says, you're going to go through that narrow gate. I'm always with you. But you know what? I know you're frail. We just read about that this morning in Sunday school when we, were, we looked at Romans 7. We said, you know what? Yeah, we're frail. But he says, I know that. And I'm just here to bring you my word. I want you to remember it because, you know what? I know you forget. We do forget, don't we? I know you're frail. I know your memory's not that good. <laughs> he knew me before the beginning of the earth, didn't he? You need to have reminders. You know, we were at a meeting last night, and we were, it, was, it was some old kind of timey preaching. It reminded me of a story a long time ago. I hope I can remember all of this. But uh, th there was a time, there was an old, a story about an old farmer. And uh, he, he was at the church, and they were having a revival. It's a country revival. So the pastor, the first night, he preached on repentance. And he says, okay, you have to repent, and you need to return to the Lord. And the guy comes down the aisle, and he's saying, oh, Lord, Lord, forgive me, fill me. Well, everybody said amen. 
the next night, went back to the revival, and they, they came down um, saying that the pastor's the preacher preached on you have to be forgiven, so you have to confess all your sins. And he says, oh, Lord, he came down the aisle saying, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord. It was great. The third night, the preacher got up and, 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 and uh, preached the third time, the last night of the revival. And the guy gets up, and after hearing all about his sinfulness and how he needs to live a holy li- holiness, a life of holiness, he says, he came down the aisle for the third night saying, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord. And the guy in the back yells out, don't do it, Lord, he leaks. <laughs> we all leak, don't we? Yeah, I think the Lord knew all that, a lot about us. We do all leak. And you know what? Jesus knows that. That's why he says, he gives us a reminder in this great sermon about who he is and what we are to do. And you know, he's come to this point where he says, you have to always, because you do leak, you have to always be examining yourself. That's something we need to do every day, Lord, folks. You know, we don't want to do that, do we? And a lot of people don't want to do that. But we have to be always going through a period of self-examination, not because we're, we're trying to keep ourselves from, from falling into hell. That doesn't happen. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always. I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I know you leak, so you have to constantly be examining yourself. And he gives us some examples, some things he wants us to remember to avoid all this wrongness that we hear and we're drawn into in the world around us. The first thing he comes to, he says in, in verse 15 of Matthew 7, he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous, ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So here's the picture. We come up to this gate um, outside the narrow gate. We've heard this sermon that Jesus has told us about who we are and what, he, what we will be as Christians, what he's going to make us into. And Jesus is saying the word to beware, though, of all those hawkers. You know, this, this reminded me, we were talking about this, when I don't know about you, what you were like uh, here in this area, but where we grew up, we had the big state fair. Remember, we grew up in the countryside, out, out in the middle of nowhere. And in Arkansas, we had the state fair every year, and we had the rodeo. That was the big thing to go to. But I remember I couldn't wait for the fair to come because what we would do, we'd go out to what they called the fairway. And they had all the rides and all the you know things where you throw and win the Cupid dolls and all that stuff. And you walk down the fairway between all of these, these people. They were hawkers. Remember that? Did you ever do that? And then they were, they were hawking constantly. Here I was a kid, and I had all my allowance saved up in my pocket. And they're trying to hawk me and trick me into coming over and, and shooting out. And we would actually shot guns in Arkansas when we were kids. We, we actually shoot out that little dot. Do you remember that? Shoot out the, and, and so I did. I, I remember, before, excuse me, Iris. This was before I knew Iris. I, I, I wanted to win a Cupid doll for, for my girlfriend, right? So I went out there, and I was a pretty good shot. I'm not bragging, but I and, – and I went out there, and I shot that dot out the first shot. And so, you know, the rest of the shots were just wasted, right? But I did it anyway. And then the guy goes back there, and he pulls that back out. And he says, you know, you just bent it. And here's a little piece you missed so you don't win the Cupid doll. I'd been hawked, and I'd been tricked, hadn't I? 
It's the same way with the hawkers in our life every day, folks. All around us. We're walking down a fairway with all the noise all around us trying to hawk us into the great life where you can go and win fabulous prizes, right? It's not going to happen. That's the picture we have as we come right now. Jesus says we come to this narrow gate, and you have to choose to go through it and follow the narrow way, not the wide way, but the narrow way. Truth of the matter is, our first question should be, how do we recognize these, these false prophets? How, how, how do we recognize them and know who they are? We think we know, but how do we really know? And throughout most of church history, this question has been asked. How are we going to know who these guys are? And here's the thing. So all the brilliant theologians have broken them down into two categories. Isn't that nice? You know, so two ways we can recognize them. You, you can, they either are going to have wrong doctrine or wrong teachings. By the way, when I use that word doctrine, I want you to know that what that is, that means the teachings, the teachings of God. That's what we're going to talk about when that word comes up. So they're saying you can recognize them by their wrong teaching. You know, is it uh, what God taught us or not? And, and the other said you have to examine the life of the one who's doing the preaching. If it doesn't have good fruit, then you know that that's not a good one, right? You know that they're the hawkers that we're, we're trying to avoid. I tell you what, breaking them down in those two different ways, I think they're both right and they're both wrong. You want to know why? Dead silence. If someone were to preach from the pulpit that Jesus Christ didn't really die on the cross, he just swooned and he passed away. There's been books written about that, just so you'll know. But in, in that person that's telling you that is a good person, they do a lot of good things. But if they said that was wrong, you know that's wrong because you know Jesus Christ, right? And you know he's resurrected from the dead, that Jesus Christ is indeed the one who conquered death. You and I know that because we know him. But if someone came preaching that... And we didn't know Christ. We would say, okay, that guy is a false prophet. Easy, right? But if someone came and, and preached you the full gospel, Jesus Christ, you believe in him as the son of God, that he died for your sins and he took them all away, and you placed your faith in him in his great work, his work on the cross, and that's all, then you would say, okay, we know that's right. But if that preacher, that same preacher that shared the right gospel with you, goes out and sins all the time, practices sin, and you know that's not right, right? That's how we would recognize them. Here's the thing. You can't proclaim Christ and not live Christ. They have to go together. So if someone has wrong doctrine and wrong practice, they're both going to show up in that person's life. We have to look at both and know that. Um, that's why Jesus said, these guys that come in, they're sneaky. They're subtle. They're sneaky. So you have to look at the whole thing. So here's the thing. You have to know God's word, and you have to listen to, to what people are saying and discern what is right and what's wrong. Because guess what? You know his word, what he's given to us. Well, these people, these, they appear to be sheep in this really fine wool clothing. But they're ravenous wolves, Jesus says. Peter's second epistle, second Peter, uh, warned the church, there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive 
uh, heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves self-destruction. They walk like nice people. They look like nice people. They have smooth voices, like a siren call. They will call you in, right? Don't listen to them just because it sounds good and it sounds smooth. What they say and how they will act will fool you if you aren't paying attention. Peter's warning about false prophets points us to descriptions of the Old Testament. You know what? Peter said, look, got to go back and look. Read all the way through the church from the beginning, even back in the Old Testament. Now, anytime there was someone who proclaimed or prophesied, that's what that means. They proclaimed what God had given them as truth. There was always somebody that came along and said, ah. He's not right. They'd make fun of him. They'd denounce him. They'd try to show you to reason somewhat that that there's something wrong here. You know, this guy will come along. We see him on, look, we see people and hear about people. They talk about the cross. They even mention the Bible. Why, I can even show you some of the people on TV, which I don't watch anymore, but some some of the TV evangelists will actually use Scripture. That makes them authentic, right? No, it doesn't. Not unless they tell you about Jesus Christ, him and him crucified, who died for your sins on the cross. So you can't do one and the other. You have to preach and live Christ. So what could be wrong with this teaching? The best way to answer is that When you see them or you hear them preaching, look for them showing you the narrow way. Huh. There's a problem already, isn't it? The narrow way. Teaching can be false, but what if it doesn't doesn't teach can be worse than what it does? You see, withholding the truth, I believe, is more damning than preaching something that's just false, they misunderstood. If they're intentionally withholding the truth. Why would any of them withhold the truth? Because it's all about them that they're preaching. It makes you not glorify them. And that's what we see in a lot of preachers, isn't it? Self-glorification. May it never be here. May genoito. May it never be. You know, it's amazing how far we drifted into the world and away from the whole truth of the gospel. It looks like a lot of Christians can recognize wrong preaching, but very few can discern when a person says the right things and then leaves out the essential things of the gospel. We're really kind of looking for those warm and fuzzies, aren't we? Somewhere along the way, we got the idea that it's only error if we're outrageously wrong. Somehow we stop realizing that the most dangerous person is the one who doesn't emphasize the right things. When you look closely at a false prophet, you're going to find almost an entire absence of the teaching or the doctrine in his whole message, the doctrine of the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Uh, a verse on some Bible truth may be mentioned, but, but only vaguely and generally. 
That's really what I've seen in a lot of these name it and claim it gospels, folks. They say, yeah, let me give you a scripture. And then they, it has nothing to do with anything they talk about. That means you have to know God's word when you listen to it, doesn't it? False prophet doesn't like preaching about doctrine. He doesn't like preaching about what God teaches. What do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you. The answer is the false prophet rarely talks about things like holiness. A false prophet rarely talks about anything like righteousness, about justice, God's justice, about the wrath of God. Did you ever hear any of them talk about that? You can't deny that because, folks, it's coming. It never makes anyone tremble as they think about the awesome power of the infinite God who sent his son to save you and me and watched his son, poured out his wrath on his son who died on that cross with your sins and my sins and took them away. God did that. That's an awesome God. It's a powerful God. He didn't mention any of the other truths about God that are revealed in Scripture All he really ever talks about is God's love, but from an emotional thing, a mushy point. Let me tell you what, God is love. I believe that with all my heart and and everything that I have. That's in 1 John. says that clearly. God is love. False prophet won't say anything that that is obviously wrong. Uh, He avoids saying the things that are right and true. And that's what makes him a false prophet. To conceal the truth is just as damning and proclaiming heresy as proclaiming heresy. That's why Jesus gives us this picture of the, of the ravenous wolf. <laughs> if you don't know what that's like, well, Google it, I guess. But let me tell you what, it leads to destruction because his listeners are never controlled by God's holiness. They never look at God's holiness and and the righteous and the justice and the wrath of God. They don't look at that. They never see it. They don't preach it. That's why they don't preach it. And that leads to another another doctrine or teaching that is never preached anymore, and it's called final judgment and the eternal hopelessness of sin. You know, we don't ever preach that. I'm sorry we don't. Because everyone here has to come to a point in his life where he realizes the utter sinlessness of sin. I I don't even know another another way to say it. It's, It's completely and totally hopeless. There is no way out. We're sinners. We're born that way, and we are that way, no matter what you hear on TV, that there's some basic good in there. It's not true. We're born sinners. We're born so much sinners that we can never please God with the way we're born, can we? Let me tell you what, some people try to argue that away. A lot of these guys on TV do, or on TV or any place else. You need a lot of the books you might read. We went into Barnes & Noble the other night, and I have to confess to you, there's times, can I make that confession? about? Yeah. Yeah, there's times when I've gone into Barnes & Noble, and they'll have some of these, I won't use any names, television evangelists over in, in the religious section, and I have confessed, moved them over to the fiction If you report me, <laughs> I don't know what they'll do. Uh, 
These guys don't like the truth. But they want you to know it, and they're hawkers. I'll guarantee you, I promise you, they're hawkers. You know, they've done this thing. They've even argued away sin. Some of them have actually argued. They, first of all, some of them have tried to get Second Peter kicked out of the Bible. Do you know that? Taken out of the canon itself. You know why? Because it talks about false prophets. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? And they, they say, well, you, Second Peter's just too strong. It really shouldn't be in there for that. And, and they've even tried to say, well, you know, if that is true, then we, our God is such a God of love, that mushy love, that, you know what, if we failed and we, we goofed, well, okay, instead of going to hell, they'll, he'll just annihilate us. Yeah, it's called annihilationism. That's actually preached out there among of these, a, lot, a lot of these people. Oh, I, I know. You said, well, I've never heard that one. Let me tell you what, if you stay with the hawkers long enough, you will. They say so that, you know, I'll just go off into nothingness instead of going to hell. Hell's for real. It's all through the Bible. It isn't one of those things that you can't argue away. And you know what? They, they, they refer to John's letter as the, the guy of gentle love. John's the guy of gentle love. But they never quote 1 John because that makes it very clear, doesn't it? While we're at it, you probably never heard the mention about the Sermon on the Mount, have you? You ever heard one of these guys pre preach the Sermon on the Mount or even talk about it? Uh-huh. There you go. Let's start looking at them and see what they're really all about. And they won't emphasize the, the utter hopelessness of sin and, and the total infallibility of men. Those are words that we just don't use anymore. Well, they're too big. No, those words aren't too big for our mouths. Nor are they too big for our understanding because we belong to Jesus Christ. You know, they, they don't really, they may mention particular sins. Here's where they get really Pharisaic. And this, I'm telling you all this because I want you to see it and not be hawked into them. Because there's a lot of people here who said, oh, well, maybe just a little sin. Or just, mm -mm, you can't do that. They preach you don't have to worry about the darkness of your own heart. There is a darkness in there. And that's why we follow Jesus Christ. That's why we read what we did this morning. He takes that away. You don't have to feel that bad. All, all you have to do is just make a decision. You know, and, and you just make the decision and then you just sit around and wait on Christ to come back. That's not what it's all about at all. You know what? These people, we talked a little bit last night at our, our meeting. It was a great men's meeting. Some really great things are preached and shared last night i'm sorry everybody mentioned it i missed it um but we talked a little bit about the great awakening you won't ever hear these people talk about the great awakening um the great awakening jonathan edwards preached one of the greatest sermons that's ever been preached in this country you know, before it was a a nation and when he did he preached about the total depravity of man. There's another word you never hurry about. Our total, utter sinlessness. And when he did, the people in the congregation, they were in fear. One lady said she actually saw the abyss of hell opened up. And she was afraid she'd fall in. So they repented. A whole nation. It spread to 80% of the colonies at the time. And they turned because they were afraid of the, of the 
of the damnation, of the judgment of God, and they knew that Jesus Christ was the way out, that Jesus Christ had died for their sins. We don't preach that anymore, do we? We need to. We need to know that. You know, uh, there's none of this this, um, pain of contemplation that John Bunyan talked about in... in, um, Remember, he's the one that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Um, You see, the truth is is that repentance means that you find yourself guilty. You find yourself guilty. And you realize the wrath of God is coming. And there's no way out. None of us deserves it. We don't deserve God's mercy. Even though, you know, everybody says, oh, well, he'll pour it out on you. We don't deserve it. And actually, he pours out his wrath on us or Jesus Christ if you give your life to him and make him Lord. And that means you give up everything. You give up everything. Did you hear me? Everything that you own, everything that you think, your practice, everything that you practice, everything that you do, even people. And imagine this in America, even possessions. You give it up for Christ because that's all there is, is life in him. You give up everything and you give away your life. You give it to him. And you know what? He takes it and he makes a new life out of it, a new life in him, one that's God-made, not man-made. You know what? That's repentance. It's turning away and coming to that. And the the false prophet, he didn't talk about that. He's going to give you this, oh, it's okay, it's easy, it's smooth, it's easy. Oh, come on. You know, it, it, he'll tell you things real, that will heal your wounds immediately or at least take away some of the pain, right? His is, um, you know what, come on, you can do this. There's a lot to gain by coming this way, and we'll take away the pain. By the way, that's called what? No gain, no pain. Hmm, don't hear that one, do we? He's saying, come on, there's peace here. I'll give you peace. I'll soothe those wounds for now. Peace, peace, it's all right. Just come to Christ. Follow Jesus and rest. Stop. Sit down in his peace. And finally, the false prophet doesn't talk about entering the straight gate and the narrow gate and following that path. He doesn't tell us we have to practice this Sermon on the Mount, that that this cross is a daily thing. It is. But he's not going to tell us that. He doesn't say that that if we only listen and don't live it, we'll be judged. And the false teacher is not interested in true holiness in biblical holiness. He holds on to a holiness like the Pharisees had. Do you remember that? Remember they, they went and they said, here's how the Pharisees worked. The ones that Jesus talked to in all of his sermon, or all, all of his discussions with them. They went out and they, they picked out God's law and they found, found people different, uh, different opinions about what the number was. About 216 different laws that they could do and said, let's just do these and then you'll be holy like us. That's really what's happening with the hawkers out there, isn't it? The false prophets. Oh, here, come and do this. You'll feel good about it, just like us. 
Jesus says we have to do everything he tells us to do. Finally, the false prophet didn't talk about entering the straight gate and the narrow gate and following the path. He doesn't tell us we have to practice this Sermon on the Mount every day, all along the way, and we do. But the false prophet isn't going to tell us that. Remember, uh, they picked out the rules that they, they didn't break. Well, that's exactly what he's doing. The false prophet's doing to each of us. You know, we don't think about John's epistle where he actually said there's a whole group of things we, we can take sin if you want to break it down to. But he says, you know what? These guys have said, here's just one or two or three things, and if you do this, you'll be good. You're in. But listen to what, what John said in First John uh, 2. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For... Everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boastings of what he has and, and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desire pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You know, uh, most translations break that down into what, the way I learned it, and I think a lot of people did here too, is uh, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life. Lust of the eyes, lust of the Lust of the eyes and pride of life. I think all sins fall into that. Do you hear those sin types coming from the guys, the, the evangelists, the false prophets? Do you hear them, any of them talking about any of those? No, they're saying engage. Come, buy this stuff or come enjoy it with me. There's no understanding of Paul saying, for, for while we are still in this tent, we groan. They don't know anything about fighting the good fight of faith. They don't know anything about wrestling against the rulers, against the, the um, authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. They don't see any need for the full armor of God. Why, well, you can get your own armor. Rock bottom price this week. You know, we had Stad Black Friday. When they, I didn't see any sales on, on the God's armor, did you? And you won't. And let me tell you what. The reality, folks, is that what we're saying here this morning is very, very real. We're sinners. But Jesus Christ has saved us from it all once and for all. Any amens in here? He has, hasn't he? For all who place their faith in him from for their salvation, their trust in him completely, we are new creatures. New creatures in him. And you know what? He's still working on us, isn't he? Huh? I'm not under construction. Anybody else here? Yeah, okay. Do I need to wear my sign under construction? Sometimes I think I do. The path is narrow and it's straight and it's hard. But you know what? Christ never leaves us. He's always there. And he wants us to keep our, our eyes on him and, and not to be distracted by the world. Beware of false prophets. You know what? This sermon this morning, it's not going to be remembered as the most popular ever preached. 
And rather than teach against false preachers, the world would rather hear a love song. Rather hear peace, wouldn't it? You know, Jeremiah said, you know, about the false prophets of his age, he said, they say peace, peace, but there is no peace. They're hiding it. They don't tell you about the real peace of Jesus Christ. Jesus says for all of us in this passage right here this morning, beware of false prophets. Now, I want you to stop right now and think about what you hear all day long. I want you to think about the hawkers when you're walking through the mall, buying those Christmas gifts, buying all that stuff. I'm not going to make any comment on that this morning about giving away Christmas gifts to make kids happy, giving away giving away. Uh, video games that are absolutely evil based on evil can I share one thing with you real quick this is completely not my my notes last week as you know for Thanksgiving we ran up real quick to uh, Massachusetts and I have a grandson who's really gotten good he's only how old is he now 11, 12, 13, 13 and I've been working with him since he was young on writing code so he's gotten in these writing code in video games. Now, let me tell you something. Earlier in my life, I, I fooled around a little bit with writing software. And we used to write everything in macros, and we'd name them, and then we'd assemble those and put them together into whole routines and, and all that. But now they come prepackaged, and the routines are written. And I got to looking at the names of, of these routines that they put together for the video games. You know what the, some of them are? Instant death. Slow death. It's all about death. Dark, very dark. And that's what's buried underneath all this software. Sorry, just had to share that with you. It's a big disappointment for me last week. And we go out and we buy that. And we give it away as gifts because we're so happy. Wow. Those ravenous wolves have kind of snuck in on us, hadn't they? That camel's gotten his nose under the tent. That's not a camel at all. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing, I'm afraid. Jesus says, beware of false prophets. They're really tricky. This evangelical church doesn't preach this message anymore, but, but I believe that why it's, it's in this, I believe it's why it's in the terrible shape that it's in. We've been blinded. We've turned away from the truth. We kind of enjoy the things that aren't not, that are close to the truth, don't we? But it's not the real truth. We are not preached and lived out the whole word of God. Paul calls that the whole counsel of God. That means we have to read all of it and tie all of God's word together. I confess to you this morning that. Um, If I had not committed to preaching the whole counsel of God, I would not have chosen to preach this sermon this morning. It's not a really popular thing to do, folks. Not here to win any popularity contest. I'm here for you to know the whole counsel of God and all of his truth. From Genesis to Revelation, it's there. I want all of us to just get such a hunger for that, we can't put it down. The risk of being accused of being judgmental of brothers, I've tried to be honestly present God's word here this morning to you. 
I want you to give this your prayerful consideration about what you've heard here this morning. And as you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, just like Paul said, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen. Lord, it's you this morning that has died for our sins. It's you, Lord Jesus, who have taken our sins away. And Lord, as you died that terrible death on the cross, Lord, I just pray for each and every person that's here this morning, all of us, may we know your truth even more. And may, Lord, may we just seek you more and more every day. Even though sometimes it hurts, Lord, I know what joy there is in knowing you and walking with you, our Lord, our Savior, our friend, the lover of our soul. Lord, forgive us. When we look away from you and we look to the pleasures of the world, forgive us, Lord, when we don't keep our eyes on you. And Lord, especially this time of the year, when we, there's so many hawkers out there trying to teach us things that are not at all about Christmas. Lord, may we not be taken in by the hawkers. But may we always be taken in and following you. We love you, Lord, and praise you this morning. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. It's just not right to go to God's word. And however this is moving in your heart this morning, you know what? Bring it before him as we sing this hymn of response. What are we singing this morning? Come, O come, Emmanuel. Oh, come, O come.